Well, Gary, uh, what you been watching? So I was actually excited uh, to talk to you today because I haven't watched any more movies. A movie that I really want to watch, so for our listeners, maybe they can watch it with me because I will be watching it soon, is The Sound of Metal. I know almost oh. nothing about it other than it stars, um, oh, his name is, I think, Riz Ahmed. He's oh, yeah, the guy, yeah. he's just awesome. He's a very good actor, but he I haven't seen him in a starring role. And mm-hmm. the movie is about a metal drummer who begins to lose his hearing. That's oh, all I'll wow. say. I'm scared to watch it because that sounds like something that could really induce some uh, feelings in me. But also, <laughs> sure. I'm really excited because it's getting amazing reviews. Yeah. But what I have been watching is Patrick H. Willem's YouTube channel. Oh. Holy shit, this dude has this year specifically like churned his youtube channel into a tv show so there's like a subplot in every episode of his uh, like every video he does but all of his videos are film youtuber videos like francis ford coppola's uh history of filmmaking but throughout the video it'll like cut to a pretty dumb side plot that he tweets about being dumb and pointless (laughs) but it's shot so well that it makes it very funny and like every episode is influenced by the filmmaker he's talking about so like the francis ford coppola one even though the subplot's dumb as hell Mm -hmm. it's shot like the godfather and it's funny as hell you know um and i just i gotta applaud the dude because he very much reminds me of myself as a filmmaker like when he talks about movies what he loves about movies and what he wants to make when he makes movies Mm -hmm. and he's putting all of that effort into a youtube channel for people like me who want to learn more about the movies he loves because he's a like he's like a half a generation above us you know what i mean he's i don't know exactly how old he is but the movies he talks about like his uh for him like an coming of age film that made him like decide oh i love movies is clerks which for me is like maybe five years earlier than when i was like you know what i mean by that so his videos are very cool for me to watch feel i feel like i'm catching up on something that i missed out of so for our listeners who like this you'd probably like patrick h Willem. so i wanted to shout him out um and then also very briefly yeah preppy kitchen he's a baker um binging with babish just shouted him out in an episode that he made macarons um because preppy kitchen gave him the recipe basically you and i have talked about british bake-off a lot on this on this show because of (laughs) how comforting it is i've been wanting to bake and preppy kitchen is my favorite like bake along right now he's just the nicest sweetest he's like all right guys today we're gonna be making the best vanilla cake and you just like you're just like into <laughs> yeah, it I can't and wait. <laughs> they are delicious i've made yeah. like three cakes in the last couple of weeks and they're really? the best cakes i've ever made yeah it's crazy oh, man so those are my shout outs i uh on bake off like two or three weeks ago they they had a quiche challenge and i have oh, ever yeah. since just been like oh i want quiche so bad <laughs> and i got a quiche from a local like bakery shop paid way too much for it it was good but it was kind of just like quiche like it, it yeah, didn't blow like my it, mind the it, way it was, that i wanted you have to make the shit yourself for to satisfy I just that bought some uh crusts and all the stuff i needed and Fuck eva's yeah. mom sent me a recipe for like a leek and goat cheese quiche that i'm i'm gonna Ooh. make uh here in the next couple of days that i can just I'm imagine so paul hollywood being like 
I didn't think the leeks and the goat cheese would work together, <laughs> but it takes a bite. They Some really do. Puts a handshake. <laughs> Gives a handshake. handshake. Yep. Yeah. Um, I've been watching that Great British Bake Off, and then I just finished my rewatch of Gravity Falls, which is so good. That show's so incredible. I've also talked about that. Those are two shows we've talked plenty about. So honestly, I don't really feel like I need to touch on them again. They're both fantastic. Uh, and I'm just us... realizing right now. You ruined I'm so my segue. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I ruined your segue. Gravity Falls is very similar to Magnus Archives. Yes, it is, man. It. Especially what I like just to the place to that you've that. gotten to. Like, yeah, and I'm wa- rewatching after gotten to the. Yeah. Anyway, that's the those those are two very similar, very good. Except Gravity Falls is like the kids show version. But we're not going to talk uh, too much about kid that shows. so that we can. <laughs> introduce our guest uh we have another returning guest here he was the very first guest on our show he was uh the first uh sibling and only (laughs) full sibling that i've had (laughs) we have a a half brother but uh anyway uh my older brother is here with us today tucker how are you doing i'm doing pretty good that was a wild intro (laughs) i kind of just rolled with it man (laughs) I don't know. Um, so si- since you've last been on, we have instituted a practice of asking our guests what kind of bender they think they are. So uh, si- you-, you are returning, but you are now answering for the first time right. this question. Honestly, it feels worth it just to come back to talk about this because it's such a great question. Oh, it I is, love, man. I just, I love, I feel like you so get to revealing. know people better. I feel like you get to know yourself better because it really makes you like look deeper down. So I'm in the... Very strange and unique position as far as, you know, people that I've talked to that I have actually been had people tell me that they think that I am each of the elements. I have had every answer to that question as far as when I ask people, what do you think I am? That's so interesting. It does make sense to me, too. But wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually a really hard question to answer. And I basically have to kind of work backwards almost from it. Hmm. Because like the one that I've gotten the least is air, uh, which makes sense. But like I try very much like to work on like meditation and I just started taking up uh, yoga. Uh, I've been doing that. It's been doing huge stuff for me, but I need to get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just the, the health benefits are super helpful. It keeps, you know, keeps me centered. So like the, the fact that I look for that in my life kind of feels air, but probably the least water change. I don't necessarily like love change, but I am adaptable. Like I do adapt to things and then earth and fire. I think I'm a firebender. I think probably okay. that's what makes most sense because I have a very volatile personality. Not volatile, but like I uh, I have a bipolar disorder, um, yeah. which means that I can uh, bounce back and forth uh, on the spectrum, which kind of associates with like the volatility of fire. And I have worked through a lot of like mental health challenges um, that has required a lot of willpower. You could also use that to say, you know, the persistence and endurance Sure. Uh, of the Earth Nation could also be representative <laughs> sure, there. Sure, yeah. But um, I also am reminded of the episode with uh, why can't I think of his name? The fire, John the fire John? bending, John John. Yeah, and how control and perseverance are to him some of the most important aspects of fire bending because of its. I'm making hand wavy signals on the, <laughs> like, on the, the way that it can chat right be now. All over I'm trying to show what no, fire yeah. looks like with my fingers. You, you're dealing with such a volatility that it almost takes more discipline to be able to like practice it 
with care. Yeah. Keeping the yeah. embers in that leaf. Yes. Yeah. I actually, so I, I, I want to come back to Zhang Zhang because I actually have him in my notes for this episode at one point. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to it, but uh, I won't, uh, I won't spoil that. We'll get to it when okay. we get to it. <laughs> yeah. But first of all, I, I didn't, I don't think I said this. Thank you so much for having me back. It's really exciting oh, to yeah, be able man. to come and contribute again. This is, I've been catching up on all your stuff and it's just, you guys are doing such a good job and it's really cool to watch you guys grow as a podcast. Oh, thank uh, you, man. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It's uh, it's going it's well. Fun. It's yeah. fun to feel that, like yeah. having the want to have returned guests. You know, like <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to a point where it was like, all right, well, we did guests and eh, it was fine, and uh, this podcast is. It's like we're we on a roll, and yeah, let's look yeah, back and see who we enjoyed on the show, and yeah, so absolutely glad to have you back. Much appreciated. Uh, yeah, and even we have gone through a bunch of interviews since you are first uh, guest not totally. interviews but you know guest so i, I feel <laughs> now we can properly with a little more training come back to uh, uh it, it was even a good interview or interview i keep i don't know words today it man it feels like a little, i don't know what's going on it's it a little bit a little of an bit. interview it's you know, know figuring out other people's take on this cuz you guys have a very unique perspective with yeah. your i mean sheer raw enthusiasm is kind of a <laughs> uh, thread at least through the avatar stuff Sure, yeah. sure. All right. Well, uh, should we get into the actual show then here? Let's do it. You're listening to A New Lens. I'm Calvin. This is a podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Uh, we've been watching Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode. We are now on season three, episode four Sokka's master. I love this episode so much. It's one this of those one that of those... you think about in the course of the show. Yeah, I was like, just when you think say about that the exact show. thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so I actually think about this because you guys say that a lot on this show, and yeah, I, I always think like, uh, is it losing meaning? Is it? But it's occurred to me that like part of the reason you say it so often is because every time you say it, it's very often in different contexts. Right. Yeah. Like. You think about this episode when you're thinking about it in a particular mood or when you're thinking about maybe the later stuff or you're thinking about, you know, maybe a more personalized episode instead of like the big overarching sure. story plot. Yes. Or honestly, yeah. just like in relation to the character of Sokka and his arc, yes. you know? Yep. This is a vital yeah. I'm glad that you've picked that episode. up too because I've totally felt that. We say a lot of the same stuff <laughs> over and over throughout this because our enthusiasm is so high. Mm -hmm. Right. But I've been hoping that that's communicated well, that like it's not the same feeling. It's just the same enthusiasm, you know? It's... Yeah. I also think you will note it like if you – made a whole like graph of the amount of times we've said it over the course of like the series <laughs> there are certain sections where it is more concentrated and it's usually like end of season one end sure. of season two and then like some specific episodes other than that but yeah. uh i mean you are right <laughs> we definitely have saturated <laughs> the meaning of of that sentence but i truly mean it like when i think about the show in general if I were to have, like, just a conversation with someone I didn't know about this show, it's very likely this episode would come up, you know? Hmm. Yeah, I would be happy to show someone if they were, like, we have a friend, uh, mutually, Dustin, who oh, yeah. um, is on, on our, our other podcast, actually, uh, Legendary Four Adventures. Space Vampires! Space vampires. Oh, Ooh, thank you for, that, thanks, for the help on that, That was Tucker. nice. It was like I was double I'm waiting for that opportunity for so yes. long. <laughs> 
Um, and he has not expressed interest in diving into the show, but I think this would be, if he were like, I will watch one episode and one episode only, I might show him this one. This this could be one of the episodes that he would dig and he'd be okay with never watching any more of it because he just has already made the decision, Mm -hmm. but it has it all. And yeah, I love this episode. And I forgot, which we're about to get into with the recap here, Calvin, Mm. what actually happens in this episode. Because when you hear Sokka's master, you remember the main plot, but there's a little bit of something else going on that as soon as it started happening... Whew, I got the chills and I got so excited. Yep. And oh, wait, this is I, that episode. Oh, exactly. Right. Yeah. This is, those are my favorite episodes of TV. When you rewatch it and you go, wait, this is that episode? <laughs> yeah. It's just yep. the best. Yeah. It's the so, B plots. It's so hard to remember the B plots of episodes. Yeah. And where they line up with the other things, unless it's really interwoven. Right. Yeah. I mean, some episodes, they kind of line up. Yeah. Like you're saying, sometimes they're very interwoven. Like, bitter work was the bitter work of Zuko and. Ang learning so to earthbend like that that's very lined up but sometimes there's just threads that you remember as a whole but you don't remember which specific episode they're in so uh let me outline this episode for you the gang at the very beginning notices uh, they're watching this shower of shooting stars this meteor shower and one comes down and strikes the earth and Sokka has this experience where he watches all of the benders in their group take care of it all, and he feels very much on the sidelines, like he's not important to the group. And uh, they try and work this out as they're getting a meal in town, and they realize that what Sokka really needs is a master to hone his craft, to teach him like all of the rest of them have had. So he seeks out this uh, sword... How would you phrase that? Sword artist? Sword master? master? Swordsman. Master swordsman? Master swordsman, yes. Thank you both. They seek out this master swordsman who uh, Sokka makes his claim to by saying i have so much to learn i don't know anything which is what uh engages this master and he goes through the process of teaching sokka and sokka sort of turns every challenge he's given with a sort of clever imagination and a twisting of of each of the challenges and uh in the end he is being bestowed sort of the 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 ending of this training and he confesses to being from the water tribe which ends in this sort of last test of the master fighting Sokka and having this final like test of what he has learned now interlaced through this episode are clips of Uncle Iroh in jail and he's not just sitting there (laughs) you know what getting swole that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say for the recap. He's not just sitting and doing nothing in jail, but he is making them think he is. So uh, I don't think that was quite as succinct as the last time I took the recap, but uh, I think that's a proper uh, That was great. Proper overview. Good. Gives us some opening to discuss without, you know, spoiling the fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So this first shot. We've got the gang laying on a field, just enjoying the time together and watching this beautiful meteor shower. Tucker, I hear you laughing. What's up? Oh, it's just, it's, it's as a listener and like a fan, it's always fun to like the moments that you listen for, like uh, you saying, oh, this opening shot. The opening shot. Gary saying, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's just fun. It's just fun to be a part of it. Hell yeah. Happy to have you. Hell yeah. This, uh, uh, I, I love the way. 
they open up sort of the themes of what Sokka is thinking about in this episode as he's watching this meteor shower and he says, man, watching this makes you feel so small, like looking up at the vastness Mm. of it, you feel so insignificant in the scale of it all. And that's something like from the very first moment, even before this bigger experience that really sort of instills this thought in him for the episode, he is already musing on like, which is totally something Aang can't relate to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Aang has literally been on a fucking rainbow road <laughs> above those shooting stars <laughs> with, like, giant Big cosmic him. Aang holding a globe of the universe. <laughs> and his past and he just, lives like, walked up like, to it. My mistakes are now falling onto you. Like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I only have the weight of a thousand, you know, past lives as well on me. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you we feel kind of small when you look at the meeting. Yeah, no. <laughs> sure. And no. then I also wonder, like, with Toph's statement, eh, you've seen nothing once. You've seen it a thousand times before. <laughs> right. I love it, but I also wonder if she is, like, a little bit. That's not just her being, you know, not aware of what's happening due to her lack of sight, but also mm-hmm. it's showing her character is kind of a, I don't think about that shit yet, character. Although, you know what I mean by that? we do have proof later in this episode that she is the kind of person who will, when she is feeling something that she doesn't want to express, deny it and try and hide it. So You're maybe so right. she is True. feeling left out here and she's just kind of going, eh, whatever. Like, I like who that, needs that? Who needs and it? And specifically this episode being one that shows that, eh, I think I like that a lot. I think that makes sense. It's This episode doesn't have, like, any bending in it except for this opening sequence. Sure. And it's <laughs> the so is really dope. <laughs> good. <laughs> it is you know really, what yeah. I mean? It's just like they show us in just such a small amount of time it's like what we were talking about with M in the last episode, how just easy it is for them to take care of shit that maybe in season one would have... This might have actually destroyed that town season one. Right. But right yeah. now, they're just like, they make it snow, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. it, they go from a fire to, like, winter wonderland and Momo's skating around. Like, they are unstoppable. And while this is happening, I think it's actually sig- more significant than the joke where, you know, uh, Aang puts out a fire and a couple embers fall into the grass and Sokka goes, oh, and like stomps on him and Momo stomps on him. Uh, and it like shows us you, how like... Li- he puts out one. Yeah. Momo gets Momo, five in the time and it Momo takes gets the other on. ones. Okay. Oh. As much as that is like funny and also like this poor bastard has like nothing to do here. It also is kind of a reminder that these guys or specifically the benders of this group pretty much think big picture. This mm. big, huge thing happening right now, they're like, all right, we need to bend the fuck out of this. <laughs> and if Sokka weren't there, maybe like seven other fires would have started. Or if Sokka and Momo weren't there. Because I, I don't know. As much as it's just like a joke, yeah. I also yeah. like to think it kind of shows like without the him, there's too. no one there to see those like little things that are happening. or to hmm. You know, because in past episodes when they're fighting, Sokka has been someone who will just like go in and like trip a person or mm-hmm. uh you know like when they're in that fight with azula in um 
right after Zuko alone. I think it's the chase. Right, yeah. His role in that fight was very much like being the guy that's like, hey, you forgot that she's also able to trip. I'm going to just trip her here. (laughs) Right. You know, everyone else is focused on like these all powerful bending moves where he's like, he can't even think about that stuff. So I don't know. I think that's interesting. I'm probably talking way too much about a simple little joke, but it it struck me. I think, I mean, it it leads into, if it's all right, if I go to the same scene where they're in town eating, uh, I wanted to just touch r- real quick. R- remember yeah, what ahead. you're going to say. Just real yeah. quick, I want to touch on the things that they do do. They make this huge trench. Oh, yeah. uh, Toph and Aang create this this trench and like split the land. Katara goes and like levitates this massive ball of water and like the motion of her arms to keep it as she's flying on Appa and bring it over and make it rain, like disperse that water through rain and like it turns into snow. And then the way... Toph has this giant like rectangle of earth just like flattening the 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 fires like it's real badass like I get why he feels out it's he he feels left out it's pretty cool and it's almost overkill like right now while you're explaining it all and I'm thinking about it I'm like they probably could have just sunk the fire with earth bending right right? That's or just it. like spray so, dirt like, on it or something like something, they could have done but one they, like, of these each things. did a badass thing and then each did another badass thing maybe like ang and uh toff together create like an earth dome around it to create like something that suffocates out right. the oxygen yeah exactly absolutely yeah, but they they had to create a winter wonderland just so that Sokka could be covered in snow you know <laughs> and momo could go skating behind for comic <laughs> yeah. effect <laughs> worth so it good and then uh, before we get to the town, there is this yep. first moment of Iroh in prison. And this guy comes in, this guard, and shoves a bowl in front of him and spills it on the floor. Iroh, his hair messed up like it was the last time we saw him, jumps over to the food and starts like ravenously eating it. And the guy just says like, oh, what a pity. And he walks out of the room. And as soon as the guard is gone, Iroh brushes his hair back. He's clearly not as like lost as he is presenting he smiles and he sits down with what is left in the bowl and happily eats it and so this is just the first indication that iroh's he's, uh, he's hiding he's do- he's yeah. doing a performance you know yeah yeah I, I actually posed the question even just at the very beginning of this because i wondered because of what we know about iroh in the past i wondered at like why do the guards buy this and the question is between two major things in my mind. A, is he that good an actor? Or B, is his reputation so besmirched by his fall that they can wow. believe that he would deteriorate to this? Like, it's believable. Mm. Is it the fact that he's a good actor? Or is it the fact that people actually just believe that this is what he is and he's just buying into their expectation? Yeah. I like two. And not because he's not, I don't want to, like, belittle the his abilities animation the and the oh, performance yeah, sure. that they give Iroh here but we've seen Iroh be performative in the past and it's usually very goofy you know what i mean mm-hmm. i like to right. imagine like if you were on the spot needing to act he's good here like it, he he sells it but i don't think that's what does it i think it has to do with the fire nation being so like him being the so dragon disgraced. of the west is extremely mm-hmm. important so him betraying that instantly oh yeah of course he's a crazy old man you know what i mean like he's losing your second yeah absolutely i think that that's it and that's why this guy because he's i think it's interesting that this guard is 
another classic like this could be he day's dad you know what i mean by that every time i say that (laughs) i'm just like yeah this dude he's progressive universe he's got two dads at least it's a good ongoing at least yeah he's Um, got like five dads probably and they're all dickheads (laughs) yeah like but well we've seen characters from the fire nation of, of different like um that look different but usually characters like this like just the classic like bully yeah you know shithead guy I feel like, of course, he would buy this because he's such a shithead. You know? I also want to present something. Uh, this is, I don't know. I think in my head, to justify a lot of the time passing in this show, years don't work the same as they do in our reality. Like when, yeah, when I agree with that. Roku at the beginning of the show warns that, like, you have to do this by the end of the summer. I think. Mm-hmm. That's 12 months away because like everything they've gone through, like, don't get me wrong. I I think that's still a short period of time, but like, I feel like it has been a month or two since the events of Crossroads of Destiny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Which is like half of a summer, you know? So I feel like time is, it's slightly longer and I feel like Iroh has been in this prison for like several weeks. Mm-hmm. So they do think that the isolation that he's in, because I also th- I also think he is in, because of how besmirched he is, he mm-hmm. is in a very, he's in solitary. You know, he's by sure. himself. And I think that also gives credibility to this, that he has spent time here and people think that it's just taking its toll on him. And he was already a little loose because right. of his traitor, the, the way he betrayed the nation, quote unquote. And so they believe that it's taken its toll. Absolutely. So it's actually something I've been listening to uh, your podcast. Um, and one of the things it's actually way back, I'm realizing. Um, but you talk about minutes and like, oh, we've got eight minutes for the day of Black Sun. That was um, the last episode, actually. Oh, was the? Oh, OK. Yeah, see, <laughs> yeah. it's not. <laughs> I'm just getting them all mixed up. Um, when you binge them, I, I guess, you know, you could be like. I was asking the question during that episode when you were talking about that, like, what is to say that the laws of anything are the same in this universe? What is to say that they have a circular Earth? What is to say that they have, you know, months and days and, you know, even seasons to the same way that we do? I agree. Yeah, no. Like, their hair is the thing that I mentioned. Like, I feel like hair grows in this universe, like, like two inches a month. Everybody's. Yeah. Uh, And a month is a different passing of time than what it... I mean... I was just you talking about time made me really want to I had a note for like two scenes later, but I'm just going to talk about it right now because we're talking about time and how it passes and the importance of that in the show. Mm -hmm. I think that the last episode was the episode that showed us. All right. Shit needs to get done. There is a schedule. Sokka's got this master plan. Mm -hmm. The day of Black Sun is only eight minutes. And then we open this episode with them hanging out and watching shooting stars. Hmm. Clearly, this episode is showing us like there can also be time put aside for things sure i don't know like the the show is an animated show and it's able to succeed in being um in suspending my disbelief in moments like this like Mm -hmm. them sitting there watching the shooting stars instantly erases sokka's like dicky we need to get (laughs) there we need to to get to bed and wake up 45 (laughs) minutes earlier now i'm not thinking about that now i can think about this episode from a context of we've got some time so however long this episode takes, it just works for me because, you know what I mean by that? Like yeah. it, it frames time differently. 
you just reminded me of the reason I was thinking about time in the first place, because you guys were talking about wake up 45 minutes early. How do you, you know, measure that? The, the immediate you, yeah. thought I had is maybe the sunlight doesn't change in this universe. Oh, maybe yeah. it's the same exact amount of time every day. Sunrise is the exact same time. It doesn't have to be like it is in our universe where it changes depending on where you are in the world. So he could just so have you just wake up before it sunrises. But yeah. then how would the placement change with the eclipse? Or I, I suppose if the moon changes its placement. Yeah. We're getting a little deep here. We should, uh, yeah. we should get back to some <laughs> moments. I, I think all good stuff. But uh, we do get back to town. And mm-hmm. they're musing on how their being in disguise doesn't get them any sort of hero worship anymore. <laughs> and uh, Sokka's like from the stairs away from the group yeah yep. boohoo all you heroes don't get uh don't get all your praise and tucker you had said you'd had a point about about this uh a while ago now so sorry yes. about that but. uh no you're all good um this is the point that it makes sense to to speak about it anyway the most mm. i have only one criticism of this episode and mm. you guys have mentioned a couple times that there are inconsistencies within the show, and that's really what it seems like you guys get most irritated with when there are episodes that are like out of character. Sure. It actually really bugs me that so what happens in this in this moment is Sokka says, you know, boohoo, you guys, well, you guys are doing all this cool stuff. You can fly around, you can make other stuff fly around. I'm not special. Hmm. Or he says specifically, I can't fly around, you're special, and I'm not. And the things they come back at him with is like, oh, but you can read maps. You make us laugh with your sarcastic nature. And it actually pisses me off that that is what they go to because the things that they've seen him do are so much more interesting and like impressive than that. Yeah. Like in the drill, mm-hmm. when he came up with exactly. the way to take down the drill. That was yeah, yeah, this episode, it can either be frustrating in that way or showing us that maybe like these people have just not even fully grasped how mm-hmm. important he is to their group. That's you know true. I mean? Maybe, maybe yes. they haven't addressed, like, you know, they said he's the plan guy. But then after the events of the drill, they weren't like, wow, Sokka, like, we wouldn't have been able to do that mm-hmm. if you hadn't come up. Like, they haven't been. Where there have been people, like they're saying here, hero worshiping, like, Aang yeah. and Katara. Sure, like... yeah, more of that to belittle sort of Sokka's ability to embrace what he's done. I, I get what you're bringing up, though, Tucker. Yeah, no, in and, one parallel. And it does, it always makes me really fucking sad, this moment. Like, yeah. Katara being his sister and the way she does that, I'm just like, damn it. You could have said just a little something. I don't know. Like, it always does make me really sad. Mm-hmm. But then her realizing, because she's his sister, oh, I know what can help. And then we just cut <laughs> to Sokka. <laughs> Shopping! Shopping! <laughs> so, so that good. scene leading to that is how I most relate to this episode in mm-hmm. that often, like... It's as simple as being like, what do you like? I don't know. I, I like shopping. Let's fucking go shopping. And that yeah. can be a, a way to like move forward from a, a really easily like... A spiral or something it, taking Yeah, control. like a spiraling yeah. thought. Sokka could have very easily like let this keep him from even moving forward in the group. But sure. Katara being like, let's go shopping. I don't know. Sometimes you need friends like that and she's to, recog- to know yeah. what, yeah, to recognize what like can pull you out of that pit. Break the And cycle. then I think Sokka's own search for like purpose throughout mm-hmm. 
from the shopping moment on because he's not shopping for fun. He's shopping kind of for a new purpose. Like he's yeah. looking for a yeah. new weapon or a new thing, as we've talked about. Saga <laughs> yeah, he's a thing guy. He's a thing guy. But that's he's the, the thing, thing also is it, that's been well established that he sort of latches on to these things. He latches on to a disguise he's got. But these are right. things that sort of come and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't have yet a thing other than maybe like boomerang guy. Sure. But he wants like in a situation where you're fighting a bunch of enemies, we've seen his boomerang is always like it knocks one guy out. Right. That's it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I've, I relate to him especially in this moment because that's something I do, you know? Like, if I'm feeling really depressed about something that sometimes it really just takes, like, you know, driving driving for me is a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, totally. And I just go on a drive and then it's able to put me in another place where then mm-hmm. I can think a little bit more rationally about where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And I think he does that in this episode. Like, throughout the episode, he's able to rationally view himself. Sure. Self-care. <laughs> self-care yes um this is actually the first of many the reason i wanted to uh come back for this episode specifically is because this is this is a good illustration of it i connect to Sokka on so many different levels and this is probably the first one that we're talking about is actually the thing guy um, oh interesting yeah that's actually very much been a part of my life um and one of the reasons i connect to him so much especially it's really interesting Going back and watching this episode in preparation for this podcast, I connect even more now, um, mm. given wow. what the things that I've experienced over the last two years um, to this experience he's going through. Because I historically have been the person that just kind of latches on to something and like does that for a while. And that's like all that I do. I become very obsessive with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and as his you know journey progresses and he like you know starts to realize that he can do this one thing that he's actually really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I can touch more on it later, but this is, this is the first time you guys were saying like latches onto one thing. That was the first thing that made me think of it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do like this scene when they're trying to break the cycle and they're in this shop mm-hmm. of a bunch of armor and weapons and, uh, Sokka grabs the nunchucks and he's actually doing a pretty good job with the nunchucks for a yeah, second. for a while. And then he... I like to think that he has, and... like, basic training in, like, all weapons because he spent, sure. like, a lot of his childhood he's surrounded by all these leftover weapons from the water <laughs> sure, tribe. Sure, yeah. And he's just, like, figured, all right, it's my job. So that's why he's kind of there with, like... <laughs> yeah. You know, he drags that giant, like, mace, and he just can't yeah. even pick it up. That montage of him doing different <laughs> weapons is so funny. I love Aang also, like, yes. hey, should I get the suit of armor? And this just, this like, felt... <laughs> like this it really felt like they found anime. an animator anime. who was like, hey, can we, can you just make us, like, the most absolute badass armor for Aang. Something he would never wear, but just go ham. There's yeah. even like yep. a saw blade attached to his shoulder. <laughs> yep. Like, what's that What's that going to do, you know? This is <laughs> super goofy, but also there's just a little detail that makes me go, oh, yeah! That he, he says, now all I need is a wind sword, and he holds up a hilt, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you would airbend, like, you'd bend a sword! <laughs> you would make it's a so sword cool. out of air! So <laughs> and he just goes, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, <laughs> Like, right. it's no big deal, and I'm just like, please no, do that. that's badass. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> um, but then you get this this montage, and Sokka's picking his teeth with uh, Raphael <laughs> daggers. Uh, Sai is what the... they're called. 
Psy? Oh, interesting. Psy. Yep. I did not know that. I just think of them as the the, the daggers that that, that yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle has. <laughs> um, but uh, he, Ooh, his and eyes. Electra. Shout out. Oh, e- Electra as well. His eyes fall upon mm-hmm. this sword. And he's like, oh, wow. He's so taken with it. And, and the, I am too. Oh, it's my God. Fucking yeah. awesome. The sheath is beautiful. And I mean, that's most of what it is. The art on this sheath. Tori Hanzo really ain't got it. shit on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> And the shopkeeper comes up to him and he says, this, this is a sword made by uh, Pian Dao, who is the s- sword master in town. And the greatest sword maker in Fire Nation history. Yeah. that yeah. Key, That's a key piece of information to me that I'm like, there is no better sword maker ever. Like, mm-hmm. Think of all the nations. Like, they don't have swords in other nations because it, I feel like uh, having like a... A blacksmith is a very classic Fire Nation thing to have. Sure. And I feel like we've seen the weapons of like the Earth Nation and they're always made of Earth. We've seen the weapons of the Water Nation. They're always made of water. Yes, they yeah. have like Sokka's whalebone uh, sure. blade type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But nobody like crafts swords. So, so this isn't just the best sword maker in the Fire Nation. This is probably just period the best. The best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only rebut that slightly in my head thinking about the Earth Kingdom because, I mean, the Fire Nation seems to work with metals because fire heats metal. And actually, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of refuting my own point as I'm explaining it. But just thinking about the close connection to metal, I wonder if there might be like Earth Nation weaponsmiths of some sort. But both of you need to watch Legend of Korra. (laughs) Um, Yeah, probably. This realization, uh, the the information about this sword master, master swordsman, uh, gives the group the realization that it's not just a thing, a, a new thing, like another thing that you need. It's not a sword that you need. It's a master. We've all had masters to hone a craft. Uh, you know, Katara ha- says she wouldn't be able to do most of what she can do without Master Paku. and. Bullshit. uh Yes, absolutely bullshit. Like, <laughs> fuck that. She was already on, so on her way. But, I mean, someone to, like, give her a realization of what you can strive towards and, like, someone to push you. I think most of what she has learned is after meeting Master Paku. Sure. Defying him. Defying almost. him. Yes, yes, absolutely. You've got to learn the fundamentals in order to understand how and when to break them. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um, I love that Toph says she learned from the badger moles, which is just fucking dope, 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 dope. And then fucking Aang, he doesn't say anything, but his masters are right there and both just spoke. So (laughs) Um, that's so true. Uh, it's pretty obvious. So, uh, they have this realization and now we get our second cutaway to Iroh in his cell. And Iroh is laying down with his arms behind his head, or his hands on the back of his head, and he's just laying there with his eyes closed, and suddenly his eyes burst open, and he starts just furiously doing sit-ups. We've all been there, right? Like, we've all been there where we're, like, laying down, and we're like, all right, I gotta do fucking sit-ups, and then... Go! And then you just do him. (laughs) Except this is like times 100 because he's just so badass and so determined. But like the moment he opens his eyes, as much as it for him is like, I'm ready. 
when I do that, it's like, uh, you have to do this or you're going to have a pudge. You know what I mean? Like... I don't know. When you said uh, we've all been there, I was like, yeah, we've all been in isolation and gotten prison buff for like three months. <laughs> Everyone's done that. Who hasn't? Man, the what? closest that I've had to that is the last nine months. And I can tell oh. you, I have not gotten prison buff. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> That's actually been my dedication for uh, winter is like, okay, so we live in. Calvin and I at least live in Minnesota where we have a frigid tundra. And if we're in the middle of yeah. COVID, I decided like the way I'm going to stay sane is basically to try and get prison buff. So we just got a bench. And oh, we're, nice. Uh, we've been doing oh, yoga. Really? That's, that is what you need is a bench. Yep. If you have a bench, you can get prison buff. And yep. Iroh doesn't have a bench. Are you guys, uh, no. Oh, he's are got you, other guys, stuff to work with. Are you guys talking about exactly. like a uh, like a like a wooden bench? Or like, I mean, does it have a back to sit on? Or what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what kind of bench are you? So, I know what a bench like is. A piano. <laughs> I found a west, master woodsmith craft me a perfect bench. <laughs> said, what, what will I look coolest with sitting there curling a dumbbell? Said, make, me, make me that bench. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of masters, uh, here they are at the gates to uh, Piandao's establishment, basically. Sokka goes up and he uses the knocker, super impatient, like he does it once, he does it again, and then he goes up and he takes them both and he starts banging both the knockers and (laughs) this guy opens the door and he's like... What do you want? Like he's so he's so <laughs> this poor bastard throughout the episode, poor dude. I yeah. love his arc because it's this right, unspoken absolutely. arc that he has even throughout the episode. Yep. So he says, "I'm sure you've come here to train." Just so you know, he turns almost everyone away. Uh, what have you brought to prove your worth? And Sokka's like, uh, 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 I don't worth, know. Mm. <laughs> worth. Mm. And he just went, the, the guy just goes, oh, let's get this over with. Like, he's <laughs> like, let's just, let's get this one done. There's, this happens all the time, which is funny um, because Sokka goes to the master. He's sitting at, oh, he is sitting and just holding his arm, one handed painting uh, at his, uh, I don't know, like a desk there looking out over his property. And I'm going to just right away call out Robert Patrick, who is the voice yep. of uh, Master One Master of my Piondo. favorite voices. Oh, my God. He played. Did you know good. he plays T-1000 in T-2 in Terminator 2? Oh, it's that dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's that dude. It's that dude. Um, How did I not realize? This character is also based off of... Everyone that listens to this show that's older than 25 is like, fuck you guys right now. <laughs> like, yes, that's who that is. Um, this character is based off of Sifu Kisu, who I called out last episode, two episodes ago, in in the headband. Um, wow, who he's he... based off of the Sifu yes! that helps the show? Yes. That's oh. cool. Yeah, absolutely. So dope. Super um, cool. So Sokka comes in, and he says his name is Sokka. Immediately, Piandao goes, Sokka, what an unusual name. <laughs> He's like, oh, is it? Huh? Not in the colonies where I'm from. Hmm. Uh, the so, Fire Nation I colonies? Mean, from the moment one, this dude knows what's up. But um, yeah. he's doing this one-handed, one-handed painting, and he says, all right, well, tell me how you're the best around, the best in your town, and you've come to learn with the master. Um, I've heard it all. And uh, Sokka says, well, honestly, I've been all around the world. And if I've learned one thing, 
It's that I have a lot to learn. And this is what strikes Pian Dao's interest mm-hmm. because he is humble. He knows that he, he he is not coming with bravado. He is coming with a, right. an eagerness to learn more, which is what a teacher would want from a student. Um, and I, so, yeah. I was just going to note that I, I was thinking about this. Um, I wonder if it's, there's some association with the fact that, like, because Fire Nation is associated so much with, like, power and strength and will, if, like, the reason he gets so many people who have the bravado is, like, a cultural thing. Interesting. Wow. Like, is that part of the reason yeah. that he turn so many people away is because, you know, that's what the Fire Nation is. They have this, uh, I mean, nationalism, this, like, self-importance that mm. is kind of taught to them and instilled in them. Sure. And so it's so rare for him to find someone who has any humility. That that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. They they immediately, they he says, you know, let's find out together. He embraces him. Let's find out how much worth you do have. And we get this first scene of them, you know, he's got a, a sword in the, the master has a sword in his hand, and he says, you have to think of a, of the sword as an extension of yourself. Um, <laughs> like another head? Like second head. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and he says, more like a super sharp arm. <laughs> I a think very that long, that line even arm. feels like a Sokka line. Like he's relating to Sokka's <laughs> uh, language there. You yeah, know what I mean? right, totally. I, I like, uh, firstly, it was brought up in the trivia that this guy played T-1000, so... Like he can T one thousand can make his, his arm. arm into a super long sharp arm, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, but also the callback to Sokka talking about you know in Suzuko alone trying to teach the kid how to use the dual blades. You have to think wow. of them as an extension of yourself, an okay. extension of your arm. So he Ooh, has dude. training in in sword fighting. Did he get trained by Pian Dao? Oh. Shit. He oh, must have, right? I didn't even consider He's, the, he's royalty of the Fire oh. Nation. Who else would train him? Yeah. As like a young kid. <laughs> the prince <laughs> of the I Fire Nation? I bet Pian Dao trained fuck. little Zuko. Dude. And then when Zuko got banished, he just continued on his own. Because we never see wow. Iroh using swords. Yep. But he's so good at those swords. There's no way he didn't have a master at one point. Wow, he totally trained with this dude, didn't he? Oh my god! He must have. Holy wow. shit! That's how he know, knew to say that to the little kid. That's I mean, also probably why this guy is like, oh, I'm skipping way to the end of the episode, but it's not a spoiler when he says, "You should say Lee." There are oh yeah, Lee's. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Like that even yeah. kind of connects me to how Zuko calls himself Lee. You know? Yeah, right. Hmm. Tucker, what do you got? Uh, no, there's just a rabbit hole you could go down with that. Like, uh, yeah. how did this guy not wear off on him if he was forced to train with him? Or, like, does that oh, mean that yeah. he went as a super young kid when we've seen mm. him in flashbacks being, you know, like normal super and cool? Yeah, more vulnerable. Um, yeah. And then mm. after he trained with this, he got that? Or maybe even, you know, I like did he to learn think this from that Iroh? Zuko's he, I don't know. scarring, that the event yeah. of his father mm. scarring him was what literally cracked his character yeah. broke right so the entire time if he was training with peon Dao before that i would think that he would be you know like-minded you know like maybe mm. even jovial with him and joking with him and now i'm just imagining zuko training with him and i'm getting chills because it's so cool to think about <laughs> i love the statement that he says which is why it it's reveals so much of his mentality and why he accepted uh, Sokka as uh, 
an apprentice, as your imagination is limitless, mm -hmm. so too are the possibilities with the, with the art of a sword. <sighs> All right. Ooh, we see it. They don't just tell us that. They show us that yeah. throughout the episode. Absolutely. This is moment number two that I super hardcore relate to Sokka mm. in this moment because there's this shot of him as uh, Pyong Dao is explaining this where there's just this lighting up of his face. Yes. And I ask this question because it's a question. It's something that I experienced recently. Is this the first time he's ever heard about an activity where he feels like he can excel? Huh. Because he's talking wow. about the one thing that he actually has. I mean, if we look at like the history of the show up to this point, the one thing he has in spades is imagination. That's why he's yeah. our comic relief. Wow. And this is maybe the first thing that he's being shown that like, no, that is not Your a imagination is part of it. Yeah. That's actually something that can strengthen in this place. And I say, I relate to it because I actually found an activity recently last year, poker, which right. I always thought was really strange um, to be a thing that like made me as happy as it did, but it like, it utilizes all of my skills in a way I'd never been, uh, been able to exercise them before. Like my, my analytical brain, uh, mm -hmm. the way that I'm able to read people, uh, just the mathematical portion of it. I've always had a very mathematical brain. Yeah, I was just going to say that I've always known you to be mathematically thinking yep. in that I, man, I bet you're, I bet you're good at poker. I kind of don't want to play with yes, that. Yes, he is. <laughs> I've yes. seen the Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, do, wow. Yeah, man. I do a lot of it's studying. It's really cool. Um, and I've, it's because it's so easy for me because it's so, it just, it just makes me happy. I'm just actually happier on days that I play most mm -hmm. of the time because it's just using the things that I'm good at. And yeah. that was the moment that I, rec like, I recognized that moment here of my recognizing what poker did for me. In like, is this this moment for Sokka? Has he never really truly understood something that, like, is this where he's realizing what yeah, his value is? He spent Before so much this, of his, his life. Values have always been responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. He spent you so know? much right. of his life just like taking care of the Southern Water Tribe, and then like taking care of the group. I mean, Katara has been taking care emotionally of the group since they all got together, but he's been the one like trying to logistically like take care and make sure we're on track and like be the responsibility of the group mm -hmm. and using his imagination has come in handy in, you know, in a, in a bind, but mm -hmm. this is the first time something that's like a whole craft specific mm -hmm. craft directly applies to what we know. And he knows are his strengths. Yeah. It's a really good the dude point. Has literally never had time to go. What do I want to do? Mm -hmm. Right. He just hasn't been able to do that. He's been, stay at home dad basically his whole <laughs> life you know yeah. and even to say like i mean because we do see these two very distinct parts of his personality throughout the show we see the you know creativity the imagination the creative thinking i think specifically of the drill when they go in they're like huh we need a map of this thing and he breaks something immediately right yeah and she's like well you know who comes to fix something if it breaks an engineer, an engineer. He probably has plans uh -huh. so like that creative it's, thinking yes. as well as the fact that he makes this master schedule and is literally you know planning <laughs> out the fate of the world to the minute <laughs> yeah <laughs> literally these two very distinct yeah. parts of his personality uh, that are you know very methodical and organized as well as very creative and that's both of them here the imagination for being able to use the swordsmanship as well as the like determination and organization to become disciplined enough to learn the craft right it's, it's so cool all of this coming together in such a beautiful way in this episode um 
we do cut back to the group at this point, and <laughs> the group is so bored, like they don't know what to do without Sokka. He's been the one like <laughs> telling them, "You do another... this, you do this." It's another instance for me that made me go, "Cool!" Like I am more okay with how they're showing time passing because yeah. someone says i think Toff says what are we gonna do today right. okay so has it been days is it another day or is it the same day like it doesn't mm -hmm. matter they're just showing us they're bored it's been a while they miss Sokka. the flashovers to iroh show us maybe it's weeks going by but mm -hmm. it just it doesn't fucking matter this stuff is happening you yeah. know what i mean by that yeah and i i just they do it in such a brilliant way here with them saying just simply what are we gonna do today and then right. going through like Wait, i mean we, we we get tough tough saying i've already <laughs> picked my toes it. twice the first time was for the cleaning and the second was just for the feeling of it <laughs> the sweet picking sweet. sensation yes that's what it is oh. yeah yeah Ooh. um i love it. they even i mean they're all funnier than this but it is yeah. interesting like you could just see it as like okay it wouldn't go this way like they'd be able to make jokes without Sokka but also the dynamic is different they haven't mm -hmm. had just Sokka isolated from the group in this way before and when you have someone who is sort of integral naturally. to the group dynamic and naturally the center of comedy it can throw everyone off to feel like they need to make up for that especially as the way that they've addressed that like they tried to say like you know you can read maps good and your sarcasm is off the hook which again he's done so much more than that please recognize it like tucker right? your point absolutely like what the fuck but they even brought that up <laughs> so having that out in the air with him gone they feel like they mm -hmm. need to make up for it so <laughs> katara being like it's wait <laughs> It's it's so hot. Momo is shedding like Appa. What? That's not even a joke. <laughs> that's not that's not the structure of a joke. Like there's no But let's be not... honest. We've all done that once. Oh, absolutely. Just like said a thing and then been like that was not no. me. I'm <laughs> so sorry. Flat. Except she doesn't do that. She goes everyone's a critic. <laughs> it's like uh -huh. no, that so wasn't true. funny, yeah, Katara. <laughs> <laughs> um okay and now we get our third check-in with Iro and he is hanging by the bars above his cell by his fucking feet and doing uh -huh. like a uh, vertical sit-ups yeah. crunches yeah Holy shit! And the way they animate his feet and like his toes curling a little bit at every mm -hmm. crunch. curl he's doing Oh my god. Just swole Iroh is Oh my god. It's oh my god. Quick shout out to the animators and the choreographers of like this show as well, because like oh especially doing yoga, I've been realizing how good these guys are at understanding how the human body works. Like that is something when yep. you're making that motion of crunching, if your feet were hanging like that, that is actually something your body would do. The toes would Absolutely. crunch in response right. to the other, you know, muscles moving in wow. your body. And the tension to keep your foot flexed instead of yep. pointed yep uh especially as the rest of your body changes position like absolutely yep. those little details and you know what it's all sifu kisu hmm. do you think he just did that shit like they I were like can you it. do sit-ups hanging upside down he was like <laughs> probably. Yes. Well, probably yeah duh. yes also by the way i mean 
I looked up two episodes ago when I really realized how big of an influence Sifu Kisu was and looked him up a little bit. He looks like Pian Dao does in this episode. Like, he's <laughs> very <laughs> based on Sifu Kisu. <laughs> That's um, cool. Which is very cool. Uh, we, we get back to Sokka in his training with, um, with, with Pian Dao. And Pian Dao says that you need to... You need to learn a variety of arts to that that influence the the art of of uh, mm-hmm. swordcraft. You need to learn calligraphy. So I want you to stamp your identity by writing your name upon this page. And just as, I I love this so much. Just as you cannot take back a swipe of the sword, you cannot mm-hmm. take back a stroke of ink. <sighs> I just love it so much, and that pressure makes Sokka nervous and his hand starts shaking. So he pulls back to consider it. And as he does, he gets a bit of ink on his face. And Piandao uh, points this out and he says, you're getting some ink on your face. <laughs> I mean, I love <laughs> this voice actor, but also he does say everything like that. <laughs> yeah. You are getting some ink on your face. <laughs> um, and Sokka goes, I'd like huh. a slice of lemon. <laughs> right. Just everything he says. <laughs> I am, aren't I? And so Sokka rolls with that. And he's like, you want me to stamp my identity on this face? What better than literally me? And he spreads ink all over his face and uh, wipes his face on on this, uh, or, you know, prints his face onto this uh, piece of paper. And uh, I love Sifukisu, or uh, I mean, beyond doubt, same person, um, the character based <laughs> off him. Uh, he just kind of like, you could read it on the first watch through the episode as him being like, ah, oh, this fucking guy. And I think there's a degree of that, but I also think he's recognizing like, man, hmm. he like, huh. he really, that scene ends in just a face of him considering what just happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's considering. Yep. Yeah. This uh, calligraphy thing is really important to me because I <laughs> really like martial arts movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen this so much, like, the movie um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, for instance, which isn't like mm-hmm. an old classic. That's a relatively newer one that pays homage to old classics. Sure. But there is literally slight spoiler for the movie, but it's not really. It's like it's not intrinsic to the plot. But there are characters or it's at least one character who recognizes that someone is a masked individual that fu- that is really good at swordplay based on their calligraphy when they're unmasked mm. later in the movie. They're like watching mm. them and they're like, wow, your calligraphy skills are excellent. And then the person realizes like, oh shit, like me being, doing what I'm doing because how you use your hand in calligraphy is like similar to how you use a sword and sword play. Mm. I think I've seen it in other movies too. Like I think Hero, I don't know for sure, mm. Jet Li, uh, but it, either way, this is a thing. This isn't yeah. just like... Hmm. Something they're an idea the that show, came, sure. that was come up with for Avatar, like the link of calligraphy with martial arts, but swordplay specifically, mm-hmm. it's a thing, like very yeah. much so. All right, cool. I'm just going to blast through a couple of the steps of his training here because there's not a whole lot I think to talk about with him. I uh, actually uh, have one on the next step, unfortunately. Sorry. Okay, the wooden swords. As he's as they the first time he's like he's got wooden swords. I can blast through this one. Not, he's with you the can dude, blast through that one. He's with the dude who uh, answered the door, and this the very butler. first time he's facing <laughs> off with someone, he literally gets like Scooby Doo chased from across the screen, across the screen by this dude. He, he knows nothing, uh, so that mm-hmm. establishes it. The next one, 
He's led with a blindfold out to this mm-hmm. beautiful scenery, and uh, uh, the master says, you have to be able to intake an entire scene in an instant. And he takes off the blindfold. It's this beautiful landscape, this waterfall, and then he turns him around, he sits him down, and he says, paint it. And he tries to turn his head, and he says, no peeking. Uh, I'm just going to close it out, and then I'll let you make your point. uh, I love the way there's like this little montage of the master just standing, facing the beautiful landscape with his eyes closed, and just like waiting and watching, and the sort of meditative uh, stance that he's taking. I I just love that so much. Um, And then Sokka says, I'm done, and he's painted this basically like kid's crayon drawing of like a mountain with a rainbow. You You added added a rainbow. rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Tucker, I'm sorry. What what was your point? (laughs) No, it actually was very similar to the point that you started with uh, the shots of him sitting there peacefully. And I mentioned Mm. before, um, this is actually the moment that made me start thinking about Zhang Zhang. Oh, interesting. Wow. Because yeah. he's sitting there. Holy I, shit. This I is was, like the same stance. Yeah. I was thinking when... about him, about him there and like the peacefulness and the tranquility. And specifically, I wrote down the word reflection of this man's tranquility and peace of mind. Mm. And I started to think about this and I thought about Zhang Zhang and how he had a very similar, you know, affect when he thought about things. And it started right. to kind of spread out to. It seems like those people who are the most perfect at their art in this universe, specifically with firebenders and in the Fire Nation, mm-hmm. almost have the most resentment for their craft and distaste for their craft. Interesting. Wow. They're the most they ponder peace- on it rather yeah. than appreciate it. They're the most pe- they're the most peaceful people. Like you think about Iroh, you think about Zhang Zhang. Zhang Zhang has this big long, you know. A monologue about how fire is destructive and how water has all this beautiful qualities and mm-hmm. air can be great and but fire does nothing but destroy and you can mm. hear in that moment i mean i know this is going way back to the first season but yeah how much that pains him mm-hmm. and yet he is a master of this art right and the respect for life that comes out of it and like he has he is the master of a deadly art and yet he has this respect for life that is kind of Almost like the fact that he has that intimate relationship with death gives him the ability to appreciate life in a way that no one else can. And when he reaches that level, you reach this almost like sense of enlightenment. I I have this ongoing theory about life that I've talked to both of you about. And honestly, the more I think about, like, definitely has some roots in watching this show as a kid. But, you know, a lot of different experiences. And I think it's something that's going to continue to go through, grow throughout my life. But that everything kind of comes down to balance. Like, everything in life comes Mm -hmm. down to some sort of balance. You are balancing different sorts of things. And I think the fact that these people are as peaceful as they are in the most, like, tranquil, determined, like, uh, Mm -hmm. wild wise individuals who both identify and respect the positive and negative influences mm-hmm. like the entirety the the entirety of their art forms and what they practice i don't think that's unrelated absolutely i have one more thought on it which is just basically i i got on this long train of like writing this stuff down sure and i had this realization i just want to make a statement and just see how your guys responses are to it mm-hmm. this show is about mastering art hmm i i love that but also a little bit to me to try and say this show is about one thing in particular oh of course is very difficult and i think for me personally if i were to boil it down to one thing it wouldn't necessarily be be that but i think that's definitely in this show a lot and a lot of media because 
artists accidentally make shit about making shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's so common. Like when you watch Inception and realize that the entire movie is just about Christopher Nolan wanting to finish this damn movie so he can get home to his kids. Hmm. And like mm-hmm. he literally has each character. One character is the special effects guy one character yeah is right the, it's literally you know what like i mean and group. he is leonardo being like i just want to see my goddamn kids yeah like i don't know like that's probably on purpose but shit like that happens so much and this show does have a lot of like okay the creators are telling us a little bit about their experience you know like hmm. of mastering art and this show is um in my opinion a masterwork of art yeah in sure. a lot of ways I was I just had the realization that like I always put martial arts as one word together and don't really think about the arts part of it and that uh, yeah. bending wow. specifically is an art form just the way that they are yeah. talking yeah. about swordsmanship is an art form which is why he's learning other arts as a way to appreciate right. totally. this other form. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Forms of expression. I mean, yeah. I think yeah, you, you could we could spend a lot of time breaking that down and actually I think yeah. the more I'm thinking about it, I, I, I could actually get on your side with with what you just presented, but I think we should move on. <laughs> uh I, I do like this this quick moment of Sokka is having another duel with this guy. Uh the master goes, Sokka, and he goes, What? And then gets hit and falls down and he goes, Focus on what, Focus you're, on doing. what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh well, goddammit. I mean, he's right. It's a good le- uh lesson like when you're when you're doing this, you gotta have your entire focus on it. Um, mm-hmm. I like the way he's like, "How will you manipulate your environment to suit you?" And he rolls the rock over and gets moss and like creates a comfy chair. And basically, me <laughs> camping. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Uh, yeah, I can. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I didn't mean to like diss on you with that. <laughs> Just uh, no, but funny. it is such a thing. Um, <laughs> y- he makes such a giant mess, and the the assistant guy comes out, and Sock is like, "Hey, could you grab me a cold drink?" And the guy's like, what the fuck? And the master goes, I'll take a lemon, lemon with mine. mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep doing that over you. <laughs> no, it's it's good. I think the combined effort is uh, is, is entertaining. Um, and then we finally get a clip of him fighting uh, this assistant guy, and he's holding his own. He mm-hmm. takes the sword out of his hand, and he, he, he holds his own in that battle. So he's clearly, you know, learning some stuff. This was the first moment I realized that it was the assistant guy the whole time. Yeah. I just think that's so cool mm-hmm. that like the butler basically character for this master is also a sword probably trains with master, him yeah. and is yeah. a badass. Right. Yep. And then we get our fourth check-in with Iroh. <laughs> and he's doing clap push-ups. Like it's nothing. He's just doing them. Yeah. He's just hoop clap. Hoop clap. And this guard hears and walks over and peeks in, and he's in the corner just, like, looking around unknowingly and just clapping, trying to, you know, make him think that that's all he's, he's like doing clapping with the clapping. At, like, things he's, that he sees that right, are there yeah, or something. Yeah. Uh, oh, just genius. And we get the layers of this performance that he's giving these mm-hmm. guards for them to not understand what it is he's really doing. Um, Shout out to everybody in the world who watched the show and immediately was like, that doesn't look too hard and then collapsed on the floor yeah, after yeah. their first clap push Those things yeah. are hard, man. Those yeah, are Yeah, you can hard. do two, maybe, yeah. and then right. you're fucked. I remember yeah. a period of my life I was able to do two and uh, that period is gone. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and then 
we get back to the group and they're looking at the map and they're saying, where are we going next? And they're disagreeing about where they are in the map. And I mean, yes, they could have brought up so many other things that Op is good at, but reading a map properly is also a very important skill that sure. none of the rest of them have. Uh, so they address that. They basically are expressing how much they miss him. And actually yeah. Toph even is saying like she, she misses him. And um, we go back to Sokka with his master and they say, or he says, you know, they've gotten to the end of the first day of training and you've done very well. And Sokka's like, I, I feel like I messed up every single thing that we did. And he says, yes, but you messed them up in a very special way, which mm-hmm. I think is very interesting. Like the way that you approached these were very specific and worth cultivating. Um, so tomorrow you are going to get your own sword. And he's like, oh, you're going to give me one of yours? And he says, no, a sword should be an extension of yourself. And so tomorrow you will make your own sword. Ooh. So cool. Um, And they're looking at materials and Sokka's like biting them and he's thinking about it. And then suddenly (laughs) he has this realization and he says, hey, would I be able to bring my own material to bring in? And the master's like, I would ask I for nothing else, or I would have it no I other way. I wouldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't have it, any, yes, yes. <laughs> um, I love that. And I also love the structure, you know, in, in many episodes of TV shows, you present something in the very beginning where mm-hmm. it opens things up, it sets a bunch of themes, and then it's so satisfying whenever you're able to have that intro section that doesn't seem like it will tie back, tie back in a very important way. So we realize Sokka wants to get this meteorite, this this black mineral material that has mm-hmm. fallen from the sky and that's what he wants to use to make his sword calvin you're the the theater expert you went to theater school what is it called yeah. it's the law of chekhov's law something like that yes <laughs> ah, that's what yes called? chekhov's law oh you mean i see when there's a gun on the yes chekhov's one, gun. it has yes. to be fired by the end of act three yes 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 i do it's a that. principle 100%. in uh, story crafting yeah, absolutely. I, I think episodes have done that not as well, though. I think this is a very yeah. good a good. I agree. It's a very good example of it. Most TV does this not at all. Most TV in general will yeah. have an intro section that is forgotten about by the end. So Sokka realizes mm-hmm. this. He comes back to the group in order to get them to help him take this material up up the hill. And they're all... Se- Toph goes, Sokka's coming. Like she feels him coming before <laughs> anyone else does. And they all get so excited. And he comes up and they're like, say something funny. And he's like, uh, like what? And they all laugh super hard. And it's just like, they'd missed Sokka. Just, they didn't miss his I jokes. I gotta they say too, him. man, when he walks up in that robe... Yeah, he just looks so fucking cool. Yep, he like walks up and he's like, "I've been training." Right, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he just gives yep. off this vibe, like, "Stay back, I <laughs> yeah. need to find my materials." <laughs> and it's also like what gives me the vibe that could have been one day, that could have been one day of training. Yep, could have been two weeks. Right, doesn't matter. Yep, it's a show. Doesn't matter. And he is being trained. He had his and first. He's got a dope robot now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love th- this is what I was alluding to Toph hiding her feelings she's like yeah I, they right. were very excited I didn't care and he doesn't pick up on it he's sort of just like okay thanks <laughs> like um, and she blushes too doesn't she yeah which is I think that's notable because Toph can't see so she probably doesn't mm-hmm. know what blushing is so whenever she blush- blushes she probably doesn't even realize that everyone is like hey you're <laughs> you're blushing you like him yeah right yeah. <laughs> We get another check-in with Iroh now, and he's literally doing handstand push-ups. 
That's he right. lifts himself up into a handstand and not then against just does the wall. No, like, in, the in the middle, middle of his of cell. Yep. Christ, <laughs> this dude has been <laughs> working out. Swall Iro. Um, which like there's another, you know, uh, uh, boomy. You have to buy. You, you have to bide your mm-hmm. time. You have to like wait until the moment is mm-hmm. right. And he is training himself until the moment is right. He knows what he has to do. He has to get out of here in order to fucking stop what's going on. Do you guys think Iroh's story is happening at the same time? Or do you think we flashed back to him first getting in prison and have been watching mm-hmm. him in prison this whole time training and they just decided that, to structure it with Sokka's episode? I think that. I think you know what I mean? Him throughout This time seems training. like a lot more time than Sokka spends, but yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, I've actually thought this a couple times as we've been talking about time. I think it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. probably the exactly. actual thing. Like they're just that's you know, what's so good about this yeah. episode is I can ask that question, but it doesn't fucking matter because it works yeah. so well. Yep, it still works. So that's they're just like, ah, right, good enough, cool. Yeah, and we I don't agree. care as an audience. We're just like, oh, sweet prison Iro. Yeah. <laughs> so they get this rock up this meteorite <laughs> up the hill by Toph earth bending it up. Like that's how they get it up there. So do they not think about how like <laughs> someone's gonna be like? How'd you get that up here? <laughs> like, yeah, like a they, bunch did of they kids. pass anyone or? Uh, yeah, but uh, Saka brings this material. Piandao says, uh, we will make a sword unlike any other on earth. <gasps> oh, or any other in the world, yeah. I think he says. Yeah. Um, and we get this montage of Saka working, like this discipline of him passionately working on this thing. Mm-hmm. It's so satisfying. We haven't seen this side of him, really. We've seen his emotional connection to things and his mm-hmm. longing for people. But we haven't seen his dedication in this way to something that is for him. But yeah. it feels natural and right. Absolutely. Yeah. As he's doing this, good God, is it so satisfying to see him wipe the sweat from his brow as the sun sets. <gasps> right. To sit and just wait yep. for he it to get up, hot enough. He wakes up and oh. he adds fuel to the fire. Yes, yep. all yep. of that. Yep. I honestly, it's like a mix of the re uh, rebinding of the sword that was broken in yeah. Return of the King. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah. even more satisfying because I know the dude who's doing it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if Although you guys... that is a pretty sweet elf who <laughs> rebinds that sword. He's He's pretty sweet, but... I don't know if you guys know anything about blacksmithing either, but this specifically is an indication of time because that had to take like a week minimum. Mm, really? Yeah. So it's it's a number of different things, but if you have to refine the material as well, like I, I, I have an interest in blacksmithing. I've thought about trying to take classes when I've got, you know, time or availability or yeah. what have you, but I've done some research into it and like it can take, you know, multiple days just to make one sword of high quality with, like, the finesse that they've got on, like, the hilt. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that takes a lot of time. And they don't have, you know, these modern machines where, you know, you can just have, like, you know, a, a compression or, thing that, like, yeah. just pounds repeatedly. I'm right. beating my own fist with my fist because you know, <laughs> visuals help in a <laughs> podcast. It's audio medium. It's um, nothing other than that. Yep. But they've got these mechanized versions of helping things. And the amount of time it takes to actually like physically take a hammer and beat the the metal into the proper form. The metal is only hot enough to be able to mold for a certain amount of time before you have to put it back in the fire. And they don't have something to monitor the fire. He has to be shoveling the coal as well to get the fire heated again. Right. So like this is, and he's getting tired the whole time. He's got to eat, you know, like 
This is shout out to another week. YouTube channel. I think it's called. Uh, oh, I shouldn't shout it out, but there is a YouTube channel where they remake <laughs> swords from TV shows and movies. That's what oh I yes, it's called oh Men at Arms. Is Men that at it, arms, or yep. is that a or is that a Netflix show? Either I'm pretty way, pretty sure it's Men at Arms. Um, it's Forged dope, and Fire and they, is a they did do competition sword. So if you want to see someone make this sword for real in real life, mm-hmm. it is available. It just it takes a long time, especially with like the sharpening of the blade, like all the fine details. Just they take time. Sokka finishes this whole process, which is so satisfying, and. Uh, Master Piandao gives this like presentation ceremony to him mm-hmm. where he's giving him this sword and he says, When you arrived, you were so unsure of yourself, but you have shown to have the heart as strong as a lion turtle. Um, which is just interesting, just a quick mm-hmm. little comment on, on the lion turtle thing, uh, just for no particular reason. We have seen that animal once before when we were in the library and mm-hmm. ang was looking at that uh book and he was like look this lion turtle and then actually there are some statues of lion turtles in uh master piandao's uh, uh hmm. sort of his area you see some lion turtle like uh, uh statues throughout just interesting little detail that i'm not bringing up for any uh reason in particular nope. and uh he says, you have shown yourself to have creativity, versatility, and intelligence. All of the attributes you need to be a master of the swordcraft. I think it's important to note that specifically, he doesn't just say that. He says, when you arrived here, it wasn't your skill that impressed me. Uh, no, yes. it definitely wasn't your skill. And you think yeah, of that as like right. a laugh moment. Like, ha, ha, ha. And like it shows mm-hmm. Sokka and he like feels like all down on himself. Mm-hmm. But I think that's an important moment especially because of what he follows it up with because he says Mm. no you showed something further than that Uh, you showed creativity versatility and intelligence yeah which is exactly what he needed to hear from his friends Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the episode yeah yeah (laughs) those are the three things he's been showing for this whole show Mm -hmm. it's not new no that's why this is so satisfying too it's not an episode that turns a character who doesn't have things into a character who does it just it just like opens the eyes of the other characters to what Sokka's always been, which is why I'm so glad that they're there for this moment, mm-hmm. that they get yeah. to hear this, you know? It also is the last moment of my arc of relating to Sokka because these are mm-hmm. things that I very much connect with in that I've had a hard time trying to figure out like what to do professionally for work in the world because I look at things similar to Sokka in the sense that like mm-hmm. all of these tasks that he's done, he's done in a very different his own way. Mm-hmm. and looking at things outside the box specifically. Like, he's given a task, and he's like, well, how can I do it my way, or how can I do it differently? And the creativity right. and versatility, combined with the intelligence with it, I very much connect to, because it feels yeah. like it's an underappreciated skill set when it's not accom- accompanied by, like, more standard skill sets um, that are looked for in at least, like, today's modern workforce. Yeah, totally. He says... You were not sure if you were worthy, but I can now say you are more worthy than any man I have ever trained. And he gives him this sword and Sokka says, no, he denies it. He says, I'm not worthy. I haven't even been truthful about who I am. I'm from the Southern Water Tribe. And we get this quick reaction shot of of the gang just like, (laughs) just like half a second. Very funny. I love those reaction shots. Uh, And Master Piando just says, well, I'm sorry too. And uh, he fucking starts fighting him. 
Uh, and Sokka says no, and he holds his hand up as the gang gets ready to like back him up, and he says, this is my fight. We get a quick check-in with Iroh real quick as this guard comes in and throws some food down, and uh, he says, you used to be the pride of the Fire Nation, the dragon of the West. Now look what you've become. And as he leaves the cell, uh, we get to look at what he's become, and what he's become <laughs> is buff as fuck. <laughs> he's like he's so buff that if you pause it and just look at it for more than a minute you start to laugh because it's <laughs> right. so astonishing yeah. you know because he, yeah. he was like he yeah. used his belly as a fighting move in an mm-hmm. episode one season ago and now as he lets his robe drop we see a folded up piece of cloth that he I don't even yeah. know how he got it he must have mm. like that must be his bed or right. something. And he's oh, risking having comfortability in order to continue to look overweight. And right. he does pull-ups with one arm one while eating. While eating uh, an apple. He's just like, Christ. <laughs> yep. It's so badass. Oh, God. I love it. Um yeah, I think this is the last moment we get of Iroh, and now we know he's yep. been he's been building that shit up. Yeah, so he ripped, um, and you wonder why. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what I like when this episode ends and he's doing those pull ups. He's preparing that being the final moment. There not there isn't a final moment of him being like, you know, and here's why I'm buff. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, right. it's just like it could be for his own physicality, for his own mental health. It could, mm-hmm. we don't know, but we know he's buff now. We get back to this final trial with Sokka and uh, Master Piandao, and you know Sifu Kisu was all over this shit because the choreography <laughs> in this is so fucking good. The, so the, good. The One of my favorites. The way they spar at the beginning, the hilt push when he knocks him back with the, the, the hilt of his sword his mm-hmm. uh Sokka's jumping around the the bridge like up on the ledges and everything and uh Master Piandao even says like good using your superior agility against an older foe like I, yeah. Sokka didn't completely register that that's what he was doing but that is what he's doing you know like Piandao narrates yeah, that this throughout feels... the entire fight yes he narrates yeah. every move he's making so that Sokka will recognize the moves that he's making not cognitively Mm-hmm. So exactly. that he can cognitively recognize what he's cognitive. doing, so he can't. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool. They go through. Uh, he he traps his sword at one point, and Master Piando is able to uh, force him off. Um, but it was still a good innovation in the moment. They go through this bamboo forest using the environment to I his. I love to his, the bamboo uh, forest. It's mm-hmm. so dope. Sokka going. Yep, cutting and down then all the all of them falling, and like him two just cutting later. his way through like with no problem. I mean, it slows with him down. Like his but two with fingers no in front of his face, right? Too. Yeah, um, it's so cool. They finally get out into the, this like final face-off area, and uh, Sokka uses his surroundings. He looks around and he sees this little patch of dirt, and he actually sprays some sand into Piando's face. And uh, Piando says, very resourceful. And uh, he actually stops and he waits and listens. And Sokka's slowly creeping around. And it's a little goofy that, you know, of everything that's around him, he steps on this stick that's just sticking out right there. One stick. (laughs) You just said something that's really, really cool. Um, I just realized this parallel. It's a very small thing, but you said wait and listens. You remember that whole thing about uh, Iroh learning how to redirect lightning by studying waterbenders? 
Where else have we heard wait and listen before? Earthbenders. Earthbenders. This dude has studied Earthbenders. This, I think this is okay to say right now, because if you watched this episode, you saw the previously on Avatar. <laughs> and they brought up the White Lotus yeah. and what that was for Iroh. And he has that going on. And mm, that's all I'm going to say right now. Because in the end of the episode, there's another connection to that. Because it was, mm-hmm. obviously, they're going to connect us to that. Because the previously on Avatar stuff yep. is always connected. We haven't seen it yet. But I'm going to finish this little tidbit when we get there. All right. Yeah. Um, they finish this fight. The master actually gets the best of Sokka. He he mm-hmm. gets him down. And Sokka thinks, you know, even though he's been sort of narrating his moves throughout this whole thing, we're unsure of whether how he's going to react to what he now knows that Sokka is of the water tribe. This guy's of the fire nation. Like, is he really attacking me? And uh, who knows? But he he finally, like, makes it clear by saying... Excellent work, Sokka. And uh, it's clear this was a final trial of his abilities. Oh my god, the way that he... he uh, the, the, <laughs> his assistant takes his sheath and throws the sheath to him and he just like turns around and without looking holds his sword out and the sheath just perfectly goes yeah. on his sword. It's... Oh my god. And he go, uh, I think I'm a little too old to be fighting, fighting Avatar. Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, he says, uh, I've known all along, you know, you might want to choose a different name. I've known Sokka was of the Water Tribe. Next time, try using the word, or try using the, I'm fucking this up. Try using the name Lee. <laughs> we, we've already touched on that, which is funny. Yeah. And, there are a million um, Lees. There are a million Lees. Uh, and this is something that we've talked about that you were getting at, Tucker, that I love so much. The way of the sword is not bound to any of the nations Mm -hmm. knowledge of the arts belongs to us all Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes i love it so So much and that is something that is um that reminds me a lot of chinese kung fu Mm -hmm. uh in the like way back i don't know like early 1900s maybe like you know when it was like a big deal and just starting to be a thing that Western cultures were aware of. Like, oh, shit, like Chinese Kung Fu. Cool. Um, a lot of people in China were like, fuck that. Do not let anyone learn this shit. Mm-hmm. And Ip Man, who I did, right. I, I love Ip Man as a fictional character because there are a lot of movies that like, that's not what happened to this dude. But mm-hmm. the real master of wang chung was mm. like fuck that i'm teaching people because art should not be limited by a specific nation yeah. mm-hmm. and that's why bruce lee became bruce lee and that's mm-hmm. why american cinema with as fall as involved as it is with fight choreography is like why it is where it is i mean you can pretty much point to it man and yeah. say yep that's why john wick is as good as it is in my opinion. I mean, Jackie Chan obviously, like, revolutionized uh, practical, like, stunt work. But I don't think it would have happened without the broadening of Chinese martial arts to the world and other martial arts. And this is a real thing. Like, there are a lot mm-hmm. of uh, people in the past who were, like, very, very... A lot of the old grandmasters were, like, this is something cultural. Like, mm. you cannot let other people have this skill like it's 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 yeah and i just think it's so beautiful i love that kind of that mindset of art being uh worldwide 
the master says to Sokka, if you continue your practice someday, I'm sure you could be a greater master than I, which mm-hmm. is, ah, uh, I love that notion so much. And they, they go on their way, but the assistant says, hey, wait, he calls after them. And he says, the, the master wants you to have this, a little token of his appreciation. And they don't know what this shit means at all, but we as viewers most definitely do. And we know this will come in handy at some point. They give him this little, uh, uh, he gives them this this little pouch. And in the pouch is a pie cho chip. Hmm, which pie cho chip? The white lotus. I wonder what that's all about. <laughs> so, so now we fucking two know characters that we, two yeah. characters that we know for sure relate to this. I think it's already been called the Society of the mm-hmm. White Lotus or mm-hmm. something when they when Iro Order of and the White Lotus. Zuko, the Order, Order of the White, of the White Lotus. Lotus. So we know that there is this thing. Now, two characters that we know that associate with it, as Tucker described, both are open-minded to other nations' bending styles. And this guy specifically is like, why should art be limited to one nation? Yes. So we are now at this point making that connection. Like, the Order of the White Lotus isn't about... It it might be about that, you Mm -hmm. know? And it just kind of excites you at this point. We don't know quite everything about it, but we know, like, the two characters who are related to it are cool as fuck. So... (laughs) Yes. Sokka gives this little bit of meteor to Toph uh, to play around <laughs> with. And he's like, I thought maybe you haven't ever bent some space earth before. And so she bends like a star and then the Nickelodeon symbol. which The Nickelodeon <laughs> symbol. Pretty funny little I will always love that. Um, and then we get the end of this episode as they relax back into their dynamic as a group. And Katara says, well, if it's from space, then it wouldn't technically be Earth, would it? And like, they're like, ah, why can't you let me have anything? And like, they get back to like (laughs) razzing each other, but with a newfound appreciation of each other. And that's where we conclude this episode. I think it's high time we talk about a kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. Kid moment of the week. What you got? Oh, dude, I completely spaced on Kid Moment of the Week. I actually probably think it's Momo. There's this moment where at the very, very beginning of the episode where Sokka like sticks his head out of the snow pile after they've just put out all the fire. Yeah. And just behind him, Momo is just like skating by, just <laughs> yes. like swirling around <laughs> on the ice. It's very good. Yeah. Um, I like uh, Sokka Scooby-Doo running. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny as well. Assistant and just the assistant in general. The assistant. This dude's really like a punching in, bag in the whole episode. Yeah. And then at the end has to like present Sokka with the sword. And then like, you know, like this poor bastard doesn't even get to say anything. You could also make an argument for the weapons montage. Ooh, the weapons yeah. montage. The one I was going to say is related to that. The weapons montage is good. Ang in the suit of armor <laughs> and then like falling over and unable to get and up and he's like I'm gonna just somehow yeah right I <laughs> there's mean, like, like he's got ribbons I love on that his... shit yeah that I got that, I gotta agree with that it's one. so ridiculous and goofy and then him falling over is it's a very kid yeah, moment isn't I it I think that's probably it and All like right. who is that suit made for because he's 12 and he fits <laughs> in it <laughs> that's very true <laughs> That was the the one thing I wrote down in in response to that is who the fuck is that armor made for? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm glad. Why do you I'm glad have I'm not this? the only one. Well, uh, Ang gets our kid moment of the week for this one. Um, Tucker, thank you so much for talking with us on this episode. Um, 
I'm I'm really glad I had you on for this for this one because you have such a connection to it. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm sorry if I kept the conversation super long. Just oh, so no. much stuff to talk about in this show. I personally, when I re-listen to the long episodes, they're my favorites. So as much as we want to like get better at you know making it more accessible, it's more enjoyable. So fuck it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me, and thanks for doing what you do. It's a pleasure to hear your guys' episodes. Oh, thank you so much. Take I'm glad to hear that. If you're interested in hearing some episodes of uh, another podcast, you can always listen to our actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Yeah, thank you, Tucker. Uh, yes, you can find all those episodes, you. all these episodes on Legendary4.com. There's comment sections on every one of them, and you can also contact us. Tweet us, Instagram, Facebook, all at New Lens Pod. Thank you to Sofina Sago for our podcast art. If you're able to, please check out those donation links now. You can check out... Or uh, uh, help out the Black Lives Matter movement, and that's it. I always feel like I'm leaving something out, but I'm not. So you know what? I'm Calvin, and I'm Gary, and I'm Tucker. This is a new lens. Thanks for listening. I will take some lemon in mine.